Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina. Joining me once again is Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing? Doing good, Joe. Still alive and kicking. <laughs> We're still here. Yeah, it. Uh, yeah. It feels. It. I had to remind myself a couple of times uh, today that uh, we were recording a football podcast because uh, it's amazing how quickly you know we're only what maybe ten days removed from the the championship game, and it, it just it, it's it's amazing how quickly you kind of have to move on to the next thing in high school sports because it just the seasons stop for no one. Uh, yeah, I. I um... I have to admit, I was out to dinner with my oldest son, and I got your text message saying, hey, what time do you want to do the podcast tonight? And I was like, oh, you know, 20, 25 minutes? How's that sound? <laughs> Fortunately, yeah. we were just finishing up, and, you know, my son knows that I do this, but I was like, dude, I have to get back home. I have my podcast set. He's like, how did you forget, Dad? And I was like, I, well, I don't know. <laughs> didn't really forget, just it's not, you know, yeah, we're, we're out of football season. Right, it's not ingrained. So yeah, it's uh, it's uh, and then the fact that you know it feels like it's midnight out. Uh, yeah. Now that now when we record this, it doesn't doesn't help the matter. Right. Uh, so yeah, as uh, as I'm sure you uh, you've gathered, uh, we did mention this last week, but to, this is going to be the final football podcast uh, for the 2023 season. Uh, last week we uh, we broke down the Division One championship game. I think in every which way we possibly could. Uh, and today, uh, as we've done the last couple years, uh, we're going to use this show to kind of wrap up uh, the the season as a whole, uh, and then also take a look ahead uh, to next year, to 2024, and uh, what what should be some interesting changes uh, in regards to uh, divisions, the formats of the four divisions uh, going into next season. Some interesting changes that I think are going to be. Um, good ones um and then the potential though for for one or two that uh maybe not so good so we'll you know we'll we'll get to that that'll be probably the end of the show uh but first we got to uh wrap up uh 2023 and 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 say goodbye to what was a at times a strange year uh i would say um I don't know what what did you well, I guess is there any any big thing that kind of stands out to you from from this season that you kind of take away from from the year? Um you know it wasn't so each division is its own thing. I think that's the that's the tougher one to comment on, but I think there were maybe less surprise performances this year than you might have had last year, you know, in terms of um, you know, favorites coming into the season based on what teams had coming back and, you know, what what all of us in the media are thinking might happen. I think there were less surprises this year um, than we had seen last year. You know, last year had that really interesting run with Bedford coming in as a 10 seed and, um, you know, some other some other kind of interesting things that happened throughout the course of the season. This year, it seemed a little bit more. I don't know if you would say by the numbers because nothing about the season was really by the numbers. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, maybe, maybe some of the outcomes, but how we got there certainly was not. Right, exactly. That, that's a really good way of putting it. That it was a it was a really interesting season in terms of ups and downs and things. But, um, but you know, at the end of the day, it it, it was kind of you know you had what were three of the four divisions straight up rematches of last year's title games. Um. Yeah, yeah, and the the yeah. Only, yeah. So the only one that wasn't was uh, Division Two, where you had uh, 
Plymouth upsetting uh, Sauhegan in the semifinals. But but yeah. Um, yeah, you were one point away from a rematch in all four divisions. All four divisions, and three of the four division champions were uh, were repeat winners. Right. And in, in Summersworth's case, they were three three years in a row now. And, right. of course, Pelham has won four straight with two of those being in Division Three. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of um, yeah, a lot of teams that, that have been there and done that uh, doing it again. Right. Yeah. So that was kind of one of the big takeaways that I had. Yeah, there there was definitely uh, obviously no kind of, you know, um, crazy playoff run. Uh, but I mean, we don't that that isn't always the case. But I, I, I do agree with you, like a lot of what maybe we thought going into the year, um, you know, we thought that, you know, Bedford obviously was going to be good. Londonderry was going to be good. Pinkerton, we thought would be there. Uh, Portsmouth Oyster River, you know, I don't I don't want to say we thought they were going to be there, but certainly not a surprise that they were one of the final four teams standing. I don't think I, you know, looking at what they had going into this season, um, you know, we all knew they had good numbers and a lot of good players coming back. So it was just a matter of, you know, how would that all play out? You know, I think, I think what I heard a lot of this year with the exception of, of maybe those four teams and even with Pinkerton and Portsmouth, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but but going into the year, there was a lot of uncertainty. It felt like, with you know, I don't know how we're you know, coaches just kind of looking at things and going, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to do that. Uh, I don't know how we're going to replace this person. You know, just kind of, it, it was very much a transitional year. I feel like in for a lot of programs, you know, that that lost some really important seniors from a year ago, had some maybe some kids who were inexperienced stepping in or, or young stepping in and trying to, to, you know, not drop off too much. And I think in some places you saw, you know, some of those teams still have great years because so many teams were in the same boat. Um, yes. You know, and, and I'm, I guess I'm, I'm looking mostly at division one when I say that, you know, obviously in division two, you had Pelham and Sauhegan and, and Plymouth and, you know, John Stark had a lot of guys back from a year ago. So, I mean, that was, a, and then, you know, division three and four, obviously same, same thing with the, those top programs. But I think in division one, you had, you know, a lot of teams that were, that had a lot of question marks going into the year. And, and I think put a lot of building blocks in place, you know, moving forward as we, uh, as we go into next year. Yeah. It, it made division one seem less predictable again, even though it turned out with, um, I, know, I think uh, less predictable outside of that top tier of teams. Is yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and, it, and it kind of played out that way in some cases where we had, you know, a number of surprises during the regular season in terms of, I don't know if you'd go so far as to call it upsets, but even, even in a loss, a team where you might say, wow, that was a really close score, much closer than we might've thought it had been. Um, so there, there were a number of like interesting surprises along the way. Um, outside, like you said, of that top tier in, in D1 for sure. Yeah, I think you would, I think would put a team like Salem in that category. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the year that they had definitely stood out, um, you know, and a lot of those guys are coming back uh, or at least, you know, should be coming back. Um, you know, we, we wondered how Nashua North and Bishop Girton were going to replace their big senior classes from a year ago. They both ended up, you know, uh, hosting and winning a playoff game. Um, 
you know, behind some against some seniors that just didn't have the opportunities, got more of them this year. Uh, you know, you had Keen and Alvern, um, you know, getting into the playoffs for the first time in a long time, um, you know, and putting up uh, pretty good fights, uh, you know, against against some tough teams, uh, you know, in their playoff matchups. You know, Spalding uh, got in for a second year in a row, and they, um, you know, they came back on Salem in their playoff game almost – uh, or gave you know gave Salem a bit of a scare. So yeah, you yep. had you had and then uh, Dover. Uh, Dover. Yeah, I was going to say even Dover's yeah, on the list. Yeah, they again another team that was in the playoffs for the second year in a row, and and uh, you know they were in a shootout there with BG in that first round game. So yeah. um, some some you know good performances and and you know big uh, you know a lot of those are a big deal for those programs. I think. You know, it's it's not again. I mean, Keen hadn't been in the playoffs, I think, for ten years. Um, you know, their last playoff appearance, and you know, Alvern had been. You know, they they those two seasons that they were in D two, they they'd had playoff appearances. But uh, you know, those are those are huge things, and and I think we'll get into this a little bit later when we talk about the format next year. But I think it's very important that those programs had that opportunity, regardless of what those first round games looked like. I agree with you. I, I don't think any of the other high school sports, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, I and, and maybe a bias too. Both of those are probably true, long <laughs> and biased. But I, I think a playoff appearance for for a football, a high school football team, is probably the biggest program impactor out of all of them, right? In other words, you know, you make the playoffs in basketball, that's that's great, right? You make the playoffs in baseball, that's great. But in football, it's it, it's because there's so f- much fewer games, I think, during the season. That when you then then those other sports that when you get right. when you get a playoff berth and there's all that excitement in the school and, you know, especially if it's not something that you just sort of pencil in every year. Um, it really can affect the program because I think it gets a lot more excitement around the team and the program in general and the trajectory that it's on you tend to get, you know, kids that might've been sitting in the stands for that playoff game because it was such a big deal say, man, I want to be a part of that. And then you get a, uh, you know, a numbers uptick the next year, like, Hey, it's a successful program. I want to be part of that. Um, It it can be a very big deal if it's something that doesn't necessarily, like I said, happen consistently with your program. Yeah, I definitely, I would agree with that. Um, You know, in, in other sports, unless you've been out of the playoffs for a long, long time, like I remember, when I first came back up here that Milford girls basketball hadn't been to the playoffs since I think it was since the split with Sauhegan and they, they ended up getting in like mid two thousands um, for the first time. It was like 15 years or something like that. Right. You know, that doesn't happen all the time. I mean, you know, again, you like you said, it's, there's more games, more teams get in, you know, more opportunities. You, you almost have to have a deeper run. Like, you know, did you make the quarterfinals? Did you make the final four? Okay, yeah, then you, you start to draw those kids. But, yeah, with football, it's, you know, hey, th- we had a we had a winning season this year. We made a playoff appearance. Uh, you know, we can build off this. And, and, yeah, you do draw in, I think, more more kids when that happens. Yeah, more community excitement, potentially more numbers. And, again, you know, we're not talking about 10 extra kids, but, you get four extra kids, especially in division two or three, just four extra kids. That could be a big deal to your program. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I do think it's a big deal. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I said earlier, it was kind of a strange year. And I guess really what made it so strange to me, um, 
you know, was was just the weather. You know, I mean, every weekend we were we were battling some kind of rain or you know, it, it or at least it felt like it. You know, you obviously you had that one weekend when when games are you know there's thunderstorms everywhere and and games are getting moved around and you know delayed and teams are only playing a half or not playing a full game and uh you know and then it felt like every weekend you know something was going on i you know how how many times i had to break out the rain gear you know and i'm standing outside in a downpour i think you know sometimes that happens you, you expect it to happen once a year uh right. i feel like and this year i i think it happened like five or six times <laughs> which just it's like all right come on can we can we be done with this now no, I know. It really did feel that way. And, and it and it kicked off that way. Right. That was early September when that that uh, huge wave of thunderstorms hit yeah, you was, know, throughout was, the yeah. weekend. Really. Second week of the season. Yeah. Right. And it kind of set the tone for the rest of the year, which, again, can be very disruptive. You know, we were I remember back in mid early mid September when we were talking about that, that it, it almost felt like the pandemic year again. Right. With yeah. the uncertainty yeah. in the schedule and some games just flat out not happening and you know or, or getting moved to like mondays and things it was like wow this is this is as unpredictable as it was three seasons ago yeah yeah you're right yeah there were some forfeits um not, i don't think they were weather related but yeah there were some forfeits this year too that made things a little strange um yeah. you know just a, a year that very much felt like it was in flux like like you know just week to week it felt like something was going to happen that was maybe not not on the field that was strange but just something you didn't expect um you know and and it kind of i mean well you had you had again that weekend you had teams playing you know at nine o'clock on a saturday or four o'clock right. on a monday afternoon um yeah just it was it was a year that was you know off the field i think bizarre but on the field you know i think it was you know it was pretty normal um in terms of well, you, you said know. you said a year in flux and that's a really good way of putting it too because you know now that i think of it these this graduating group of seniors uh was was were they were freshmen right. the covid year they were yeah yeah so they so, i mean their whole high school career has basically been in flux Unfortunately, right. um, you know, that like some of these teams didn't play or they had back then. Right. They had really, really touch and go schedules um, or, you know, one team would have to cancel and other teams were trying to find each other to play to fill, you know, like. And, and it, I it imagine, was a really weird year. I imagine parts of that year, too. A lot of them weren't even in school. You know, they're doing remote stuff. Right. Um, you know, which is uh, uh, got, you know, high school is a starting high school is a strange thing to begin with uh, when you're. When you're doing it in the middle of a pandemic and you can't go to school every day, I mean, it's, you know, right. it's even worse. And, 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 you know, I think a lot of these kids, too, you know, regardless of what kind of year they had, whether it was a, a great year or a strange year or whatever, I mean, to make it through to this point, you know, the, the kids that were freshmen that year that have now finished up their senior seasons, you know, they, they deserve a huge pat on the back for, for handling that adversity uh, and, and making it to this point. Yeah, it's been an, it's been a very unique journey for these seniors that are saying goodbye to football now and, and heading into other things. Um, maybe one of the most unique ones for any class, you know, fre freshmen moving their way through uh, the sport ever. And Just because of those factors. Let's hope we never have to deal with it again. <laughs> yeah, please. 
Uh, you know, and, and for, for, you know, on a, on a personal note, I think for both of us, you know, it was a little bit weird. I know with your, your coaching schedule, you know, you didn't always get to see some of the games that, that you were hoping to get out to. And then for me, I, I missed a weekend due to, due to my own illness. Um, that, that sounded worse than I actually planned on it, but you know, I was sick, I was sick for a weekend basically. Uh, and missed an entire weekend of games for the first time since, you know, you know, I, I had, uh, when I got married, the weekend I got married 11 years ago. So, right. uh, that's, I think both of those things just personally for the two of us was a little bizarre. Yeah, it was, you know, I, I, again, it reminded me a little bit of the, of the pandemic year when you couldn't go to the games. Uh, well you could, I, I couldn't just cause I'm not, you know, I'm not like an essential. We would have been able to figure it out. Wait, yeah, that's if, probably if true. Would, <laughs> but if you would really wanted to, <laughs> right? But but uh, you know, but this year, yeah, just the way that the field schedule was, sure, everything yeah. coaching my yeah. sons. I had Friday nights, and then a lot of times on Saturdays we had games. So I could I couldn't get to either one usually. So I, I was really dependent on, you know, looking at uh, huddle or or watching uh, the streaming uh, film from various teams and things just to. And it's not the same, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. And I'm really grateful that that stuff is there, but it's, it's not the same as being there, you know, on the sideline and, and getting the feel for the game and stuff. It just, it just isn't. You know, the other thing that I, uh, I was thinking of too today that we, we kind of, we talked at length about, I think in the preseason and, and, you know, there were a couple of Thursday night games yes. uh, because, you know, we were told that, you know, there was a shortage of officials, which there was. Um, you know, and then that was going to lead to a whole bunch of Thursday night games. But I think, I think we maybe had in total like seven, um, if even that, it might have even been less than that. Um, but it certainly wasn't as big of a deal as I was expecting it to be going into the year. Uh, but even so, I mean, in the past, what if we, you know, again, outside of, you know, some, some strange, you know, rescheduled COVID rescheduling for a couple of years there, we've maybe had one Thursday night game every couple of years or, or, or something like that, you know, and then this year we had a handful of them, some on the same night, uh, right. you know, so that was a little bit um, different too. Uh, yep. you know, I, I would say personally, again, I know we talked about it. I enjoyed it because the more football I can see, I, I'm always happy for, um, but it was, it, 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 it does make for a strange weekend when you're starting it a day earlier. Yeah, it's going to be weird for the for the teams playing in those situations too, because football, they always say football players are creatures of habit, right, but the, right. the the real real thing there is football coaches are <laughs> creatures of habit, right? So, you know, you get your 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 weekly schedule that's all built around primarily Friday games, um, and and you know the pace at which you can go, right? Like, hey, we we can do film and you know, some, some, uh, game plan install and, and so on and so forth on day one of any given game week. And then you can have an offensive focus practice with some special teams, a defensive focus practice with some special teams. You can have a combined kind of run through practice with, you know, whether you're just in your uppers or just helmets or whatever, and then, Hey, we go and we play. And, and that's what you do, right? It's like, you know, it's just that rhythm. And then all of a sudden somebody takes one of those days away from you because we're playing Thursday night now. I, that's, that's, that's a, a challenge right. I would think for programs. Right. I mean, again, when you get into that rhythm and you're really good at that rhythm and 
knowing exactly how much time it takes to put a game plan in, perfect it, not forget about fundamentals, make sure your special teams are ready to rock. It's uh, it's a little different because then not only do you have your Thursday game, but then what do you ha- what the heck do you do with Friday? <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's it's it, I would imagine it was very interesting for those teams that did it. I mean, I'm I'm sure they enjoyed it and it was it was fine, but. Um, for me anyway, I, maybe I'm just speaking about myself. I, I'm not saying I wouldn't like it. I'm just saying it would be a challenge. It's, it's very different. Well, something else that was, uh, was different this year too, is that we, uh, for the first time we had a, uh, true, I guess, uh, football player of the year award, uh, given out. Um, and I, and I say that because, you know, obviously there's been the Gatorade player of the year award for years and years and years, but, and I, I think you and I have talked about that in the past on this podcast, uh, or, or I guess I, I guess a fair way to put it is complained about it. Yes. Uh, because oftentimes, or, or you know, or more often than we'd like, uh, the Gatorade people give that award to a prep school kid who typically isn't from New Hampshire. Right. Uh, you know, I, I comes to mind a couple of years ago when they gave it to a kid who was from Canada, who yes. was at a prep school in New Hampshire. Uh, so you know, this award, uh, which. Um, you know, it was kind of was was sponsored by, uh, you know, the the Joe Yakika uh, football chapter in New Hampshire uh, gave out the first uh, Yukika Player of the Year award to a player who, from the NHIAA, uh, a New Hampshire kid, plays for you know New Hampshire high school, uh, voted on by all of the coaches in the state plus media members, uh, myself included, um, and uh, and really was kind of excited to see. Uh, it was announced on Thanksgiving, uh, early Thanksgiving afternoon, uh, that Sauhegan's uh, J.J. Bright ended up winning the award this year. Um, I thought, uh, and, and I will say, I, I, he was my pick. Um, I did vote for him. I don't remember. We had to pick three, three players, one, two, three, rank them. And I honestly can't remember who I had second and third. But I, I had J.J. one on my list, um, just I thought was probably the most dynamic player I saw this year and um, also the player that I think if you took him off of his team would change the makeup of that team the most that's a really great way of looking at it you know it kind of brings me back to what we what we say sometimes about our our thinking behind those players of the week that we pick right it's not always who had the gaudy stats a lot of time it's you know, was there an X factor in terms of what they contributed to the team's victory? Right. Um, not always. Sometimes it's just, wow, gaudy stats. But but um, but that that's a really good way of looking at because I, you know, I looked at that list. I can't remember whether you had sent it to me or somebody else had sent it to me, but it was the finalist list. And, and there were good players on that list, obviously. Um, and I went back and forth on it. But I, one of the other things I factored in was was J.J. Bright's career's worth of work, um, you know, in thinking about it, right? That it wasn't just that he had a great year this year, but he was really instrumental in Sauhegan's, um success last year as well, right? So when you think of a body of work and then you think about exactly what you said, which is, was there one player who was really almost indispensable um, and again, not to say that Sauhegan wouldn't have been successful on offense without him, but he added a dimension to that that team on both sides of the ball, but particularly on offense where you had a prolific passing game and you had one of the best runners in the state. 
it's very difficult to defend. And it adds so much more to the offense because now you've got to respect the run. You've got to respect play action. You have to look out for speed option, whatever it might be, right? And it opens up so much more. I, I think for me that the best way I can I can kind of put that um you know about what he what he did for for that team you're you're right if he, you take him away he he they are still a good team but I, I think back to the very first offensive series they had this year season opener uh first down second down third down three incomplete passes uh fourth down they hand the ball to JJ and he took it for a touchdown right um. So I mean, it, it you know he he was that X factor I think that that you don't often always see um, in high school football, uh, you know. And then yeah, you mentioned the finalists too. Uh, the other two finalists were were Ty Miles from from Londonderry, and uh, and Caden Michaud from Pinkerton, uh, who also uh, each of them had fantastic years uh, for their teams as well. Um, yeah, but again, I I I just thought that that JJ kind of stood out. Uh, in in what was a very good crowd. Yeah, I I agree. I it's I think it would have been difficult for me to choose between those three if I if I had to do that. But ultimately, when I put myself through the mental exercise of doing it, which is a really nice way of saying I was pretending that I could vote in my own head and saying <laughs> like, oh, who would I vote for? Uh, I I would have voted for JJ as yeah, well. Yeah. No question about it. At the end of it, uh, when you think about all those things that we just talked about, I, I would have voted for him. I think that he contributed a ton not just to his team, but to New Hampshire football, right? I mean, right. you love having those players. You know, it's like like when we were talking about um, Eli Bohema at the, be- at the beginning of the year, right? Like there's those players that just losing them is a loss to New Hampshire football, not just to a Concord or a Sauhegan or what have you, right? And so, um, so yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with the pick, and I, 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 think it's, uh, I think it's nice to have the pick too. Right. Um, because as you said, the, the Gatorade player is – a huge honor, but it doesn't quite do what I would like it to do. No, it's uh, I, I uh, now I kind of wish I'd looked this up before we started, but just to see how many times in the last, you know, however many years it's gone to, you know, uh, you know, whether it's a you know a, a, a New Hampshire kid or not, but just a kid who's you know at a at a prep school, right? Um, you know, which is kind of. You know, it's kind of one of those things. It's I mean, it's frustrating because you you know we go through this uh, all year, kind of looking to see oh, who's going to get the award, who's up for the award this year, who's going to get it, this, who's the, and then it ends up being, you know, someone we haven't talked about all year. Right, somebody that also in the New Hampshire football community, nobody really knows, right? Right. That, those, right. Are, those are schools that they play great football, but they're not in our, they're not in our mix. They're not an NHIAA school, right? right. So. Uh, for for better or worse, you don't really you don't really see any of that. Yeah, so I just actually I did just pull this up real quick here. <laughs> um, yeah, last year it was a, a kid from Proctor Academy who won it. Um, the year before it was a kid from Tilton. Uh, then twenty twenty was was Curtis Harris Lopez from Nashua North, but then the year before that was a kid from St. Paul's. So right. three of the last four. Uh, yeah. So I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm glad. Not, not going to lie, that's kind of annoying. <laughs> it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm really glad that that this other other award exists, and and uh, you know a, a great job by uh, Roger Brown of the Union Leader and New Hampshire Football Report was kind of the one who uh, spearheaded the whole thing and and was the contact guy for you know voting and for people to get in touch with if they had questions and all that. So 
uh, big thanks to him for, for helping to coordinate that. Yes. Agreed. Thank you. Uh, so there was one other thing, uh, you know, I guess, uh, if we're almost done with our, our 2023 talk, one other thing I wanted to point out, um, that I, I was going over here because I'm a bit of a psycho and, and probably should spend my time doing other things, but I did it anyways. You know, one thing we talked about, I think this year, and, and maybe one thing that, that, you know, we'll get into this as we get into the talk about next year, you know, is, is, you know, some changes that, that were being considered or are still being considered. I'm not sure, you know, um, the, the kind of, um, catalyst for that was just the, some of the games that were, you know, kind of one-sided this season, you know, like we were talking about there, there were no upsets in, in, um, the postseason in terms of seeding, you know, even, even Plymouth beating Sauhegan, Plymouth was still the two seed, Sauhegan the three in division right. two, you know, yeah, you had it in the D three and D four final, but it was, again, it was the two seed beating the one seed. Right. Um, you know, and, and those games were close in the regular season as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, and that, I mean, division one, yeah, you had the three and the four seed in the final, but it felt like all four of those teams were kind of, were very close to each other all year. Um, but I know I, I, you know, I heard some rumblings that, that this was kind of, you know, something that was, was causing concern, I guess, um, you know, with some people. And, and honestly, it, it, I, I wish I had uh, numbers from past years to compare this to, but what I did was I went through and I looked at every uh, regular season game this year between teams in the same division. I didn't do any out-of-state games, any interdivision games, just, you know, teams, uh, division opponents um, added up the margins of, uh, of, of victory, um, you know, so the point differentials. And basically what it came down to was in every regular season game this year, the average margin of victory was 24.4 points. So a little bit more than, or basically three touchdowns and a field goal. Yep. Uh, for, for, um, for every game, obviously those were different by division. Uh, you know, division one was a 23.1 average. Division two was 26.3. I'm sorry. What did I say for division twenty three point one? Did I? I, I might have messed that up. Uh, apologies if I did. Uh, twenty six point three in division two, uh, twenty two point four in division three. So division three, those were actually the closest games of the year, uh, and then division four was twenty six point eight, uh, was the average margin of victory in those games. Um, you know, and and I think, I again, I wish we had. I wish I had had numbers or I did this every year to kind of have numbers to kind of compare to. Uh, but it just, it did feel like there were a lot of games this year that were those one-sided kind of games. And and again, I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier about this being a year of kind of transition, a year a little bit in flux. And I hope that the people making the decisions kind of can, can realize that and, and make changes for next year, you know, the next cycle based off of, not based off of that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yes. You know, that, that there's not knee jerk reactions to, Oh my God, we got to fix this and realize that this year may just be an outlier. Right. I, I, well, so first of all, I, I, I was surprised when you gave me those numbers, uh, not for any reason, not like I had looked at it closely. My, it, it was just surprising that you think to yourself, wow, that's an average margin of victory of over three touchdowns. Right. 
Right. Um, I wouldn't have expected that, but you're right. When you think about it, there were a lot of, I guess, lopsided games this year. But I, I really do agree with you. Um, and, and not just because I'm on your podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> I'd argue with you, but, oh, but yeah, I, argue I, with I, me all away, please. No, but I, I do agree with you because, you know, I, I, I think that there is a, I don't know whether you would call it a fear or a, a little bit of a paranoia. And, and by the way, I don't necessarily blame uh, the folks that, that make these decisions and whatnot for having those feelings, but there, there's definitely that concern that you know lopsided matchups and things are are going to adversely affect football in the state because it could drive numbers away from certain schools that just feel beaten up and you know not able to get over the hump and things like that and i get it there's a there's a massive tension there there's a massive responsibility there but i do think that this was these these last couple few years in particular have been very unique because of all the things that we talked about earlier um, you know, in some ways, football is still recovering a bit from that. And right. I think that, you know, there's something to be said for consistency um, in anything that you do, right? Whether it's the way that you practice, whether it's the, the, the schemes that you run. And in this case, consistency of a format and a schedule. Right. I think if you go and, and change those things moderately to majorly every two years, you don't have enough data to really figure out what's working and what isn't. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, and I hope we're not getting too far ahead here, but but I think that's the way that I look at it. I, I think there were some real positives to uh, the, the, the setup that they've used the last couple of years. And again, perfect. No, but it's never going to be. Like we, oh, we yeah. keep striving for this like continuous improvement perfection thing. And it just, I don't think, I don't think it's ever going to happen. <laughs> so uh, I would like to see them stick with a format for longer than one, two year cycle. I mean, maybe make like minor, minor changes, right? Little tweaks, but significant changes. I, I don't, I don't know that you want to do that right now. Just, yeah. just my thought. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you, you know, especially coming out of, you know, where, you know, it, it feels like it's been a long time, but it'll be what, four, four years in, in March, you know, since, um, since the pandemic started. Right. Uh, you know, I mean that it, it took away an entire year basically of that, of, you know, any changes they made, um, or didn't make to the, you know, cause one year was kind of, you know, the formats were thrown out the window. Right. Um, you know, meaningless. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's tough to kind of I, I guess when you are, um, you know, if you're petitioning up or down a division, uh, you you're required to submit like five years worth of records. And how are you supposed to do that for the 2021 season? No one there were no records. Right. You know, so you're going back to, you know, if it's supposed to be five years, you're going back to like 2018 to to you know, explain, and how does that, how does that impact where you are now? Uh, you know, those kids it, have been, those kids are, are, are all, not out, and you're not even, not just out of high school, they're out of college almost. Right. Uh, at this point. So, uh, um, yeah, the, the programs may have had two different coaches in that time. <laughs> right. Exactly. With the way some, some programs, you know, just coaches turn. Right. Yeah, so, yeah could be uh, completely different. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it's, I think there's, 
Yeah, and and from you know, and maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but because from what I've seen of what next year's divisions should look like, I I think they've done a good job of in some cases preserving what was already there and then in other cases making some tweaks to see to maybe try to balance out you know hopefully some some competition there so i guess on that note uh let's uh you want to get into uh the new divisions yeah absolutely well as i say that new divisions um division one is going to be exactly the same as it was a year ago um at least as of as i've as far as i've seen uh 21 teams uh, still with the three conference breakdown, I'm assuming. Um, the only change, and and I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago because uh, again, uh, Roger brought it up on his site, the uh, NH Football Report. Uh, you know that there was some talk of cutting down the number of playoff teams from 13 to eight uh, in that 21 team division, and I think if I'm remembering correctly, both of us thought that was a terrible idea. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't agree with it. I don't know that I uh, that it made me want to regurgitate my dinner. Well, I, wasn't going, was... I wasn't going that far. <laughs> well, you said a terrible idea. Most terrible ideas make me want to puke. Okay, all right. But, well, I, I... <laughs> yeah, I thought it, I I think it's premature. I I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier, right? And and we we talked a little bit about it. I think a couple weeks ago when when you may have teased it, or maybe that was offline discussion. But I remember saying, <laughs> hey, you know you only have two years of this, of this 13 team playoff uh, format. And, you know, you have one year where, yeah, okay. The preliminaries weren't exactly, um, you know, like nail biters across the board or anything. And, and, and all, all the seeds kind of worked out the way you would think they would in terms of victors, et cetera. But the previous year, you wouldn't have even had the same champion if you had done that. Right. In terms I, of Bedford rising from, from 10 to, to champion, right? So you only have two years of data on that. And one of those two years would say, hey, it worked. It, it made it a really interesting second season. Yeah, you have two years of data or two years of evidence here, and they're complete polar opposites. Right. You know, and, and yeah, you're right. I just, I don't, I, I think it's something that still needs to be, you know, it just needs to happen there there's right let it breathe be, a little yeah exactly um at least for another cycle you know if, yeah. if if these next two seasons look more like this year than they did uh 2022 then okay fine i un- i understand the need to change or or the desire to change but uh I, you know i i think i think largely you know i remember when when we first heard about this you know, before or at the end of the 2021 season. And I remember thinking like, what are they, what are they doing? Right. How is this going to work? It's worked better than I could have imagined, uh, to be honest. And, and I, I, I really hope that they, that, that it does show that it can be the, you know, the kind of format that it was in 2022, um, you know, and, and to some degree this year. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I and, and like we were saying, right, I, I think there's the more opportunity you have for that postseason play, the more opportunity there is for that that program building excitement. Oh, right. Exactly. You know, so it, it, it only serves you well. Right. I can understand why you may not do it in some of the other divisions where there's more where there's less parity. Right. Because you say, well, why would you want to pair up, you know, a one seed against a, you know, a 
an eight seed or whatever and 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 just have it be a complete brow beating like it might have been in the regular season or what have you peace I, I get that but in division one where you have the what is it 23 teams 21 21 teams sorry 13 playoff teams yeah um you can do it right i mean it's it's a uniquely shaped and sized division uh i i say why not i say let it breathe for another couple of years you know what it's also added to um i'm glad i'm glad we just brought that up. you know obviously 13 out of 21 teams getting in but that leaves eight teams that aren't in and what they've done the last two years with those you know extra games uh among those eight teams i i, I don't i mean have they been the most stellar games? Probably not, but I, you know, just from from based on who you know, coaches have talked to about them. You know, it's it's like having a bowl game in college, right? You get those extra yep. practices or the Thanksgiving games that we used to have. You get those extra practices. You know, you, you get kids that that maybe need those opportunities. They've now got a couple of them. Um, you know, with with the game that I went to this year, the Merrimack Memorial game, Merrimack was down a couple starters, so some kids who normally wouldn't have gotten varsity time are able to get some varsity time uh, under their belts at the end of the season. Um, yeah. You know, so I think that's been a great thing too. And then and then even better this year was that they put them on Thursday. You know, right. to, to allow for for you know people like myself to go to those games. Right. Get them on the stage a little bit. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, so I guess uh, yeah, Division One, leave it alone. It's fine, at yep. least at least for the next two years. Um, Division Two, uh, and then the rest of the other three divisions. There's, um, you know, at least in terms of teams moving up and down, uh, there's some pretty big changes. I feel like so from from what we've seen, Division Two uh, is going to have 16 teams. Uh, so that means. Or what that looks like is, uh, you know, you've got, you know, your teams that have been in there, you know, Sauhegan, Milford, Hanover, uh, Manchester West, Merrimack Valley, Pembroke, Hollis Brookline, Kennett, uh, Plymouth, John Stark, Bow. Uh, but then you've also got Conval and Kingswood coming back up from Division Three, uh, where they had petitioned down for the last cycle. Yep. And then you've also got Pelham, St. Thomas, and Trinity who are all petitioning up. Obviously, Pelham's enrollment uh, this this cycle puts it down in Division Three, but they are petitioning up this time around to D2. St. Thomas has petitioned up for the last, I don't know how many years. Um, I guess it's been probably 10 years or so. At, at least 10 years, yeah. yeah. And then Trinity coming back up to D2, um, you know, after being in the, the D3 final a bunch the last uh, handful of years. Uh, so 16 teams... Uh, I don't know what it's, I mean, I assume the breakdown is still going to be east and west. I don't know, maybe they could go back to north and south. I haven't really looked at, you know, who lines up where. Uh, playoffs, I don't know what that's going to do because in the past it had been eight teams from an eight, 18 playoff team. Excuse me, let me try that again. There were 18 teams in the division, although 17 this past year, and with eight making the playoffs. With 16 teams, I don't know if they're going to change that. Will they still take eight? I would assume that they would. Otherwise, you, you know, you get into some kind of, you know, two teams with a bye. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that would work um, exactly. Yeah, again, I think it's okay to go eight there. You know, it's it's worked out pretty well the last few years. Um, and, and, again, right, you, you're always a little bit like, hey, you know, how much is it? 
is there is there not enough parity where a one versus eight, for example, would be a useful matchup in terms of you know it being a productive game or a chance for an upset? But you know, I I, I think having top eight is still in a in a sixteen is okay. Once you start going more than half the teams make it, now you probably have a little bit of a problem. But <laughs> well, but that is the case in Division One. But it, it, <laughs> yeah, um, no, that's fair. That's now, fair. Yeah. But I think there's less. I think there's less parity in Division Two, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you were talking about the average margin of victory, was D two the highest, or was uh, four? Four, four was, but only by five tenths of a point. It was twenty six point three was the the average margin of victory in D two last year. Right. So it's a little bit less. You know, it makes a little bit less sense in in a division like two, where you might say. Hey, you know, let's do you know more than half of the teams going in. Where I think in Division One, there's a lot, there's a lot more parity, right now, anyway. Yeah. So, I, and I think, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm interested to see how, again, how does it break down? Are they going to, you know, are they going to leave the teams kind of largely where they were? Obviously, um, I think before they went down, I think Conval was in the, in the West, and Kingswood in the East. You know, where's Trinity? Trinity will probably go. I would assume. Um, actually, no, I don't know where they would where they would line up, uh, because uh, Trinity always used to line up with. Um, when I was coaching, it was they were with us. Pelham. Uh, when I say us, I mean South Egan. Yeah, South Egan, Pelham. Milford, right, and and uh, at the time Wyndham. You know, would they would they then bump Pelham over into the east and put Trinity in the west? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, so obviously, you know, we said there were eighteen teams in in D two now sixteen. So that means there's going to be a few extra teams in D three. Uh, actually, quite a few. Last year it was an eight eight team division. In D3, this year it's going to be 13 teams, or excuse me, in the next cycle it's going to be 13 teams uh, in, in D3. Uh, Lebanon is petitioning down from Division Two, so that means that they'll be ineligible for the playoffs uh, in next year, which I think is probably an okay thing considering they didn't have uh, a varsity program this past season. Yep. Um, they're still trying to build up those numbers. So then you've also got... Uh, again, with the, the enrollment cutoff changing Laconia and Sanborn uh, down in Division Three, Epping Newmarket, Monadnock, Stevens, uh, Guilford, which is no longer going to be co-oping with Belmont. Uh, so they're just taking the Guilford enrollment now. Uh, Fall Mountain, Kearsarge, which hopefully they'll still, you know, the numbers will be there for them to have, you know, a varsity program. They were one of those teams that had to forfeit some games last year. Uh, Interlakes, Moultonboro, and then uh, Summersworth, uh, based on enrollment, moves up from D4 to D3. Uh, and then you've got Campbell and Newport both petitioning up. Uh, so they are both in D3 as well. That's your 13-team your division. That's that's probably the division that has the most interesting right, change. Right, right. Um, you know, adding Summersworth and Newport to D3 is pretty intriguing because of the dominance that they've really had over the last whatever it's been three or four years um, in division four, you lose Trinity. Who's been sort of a, um, 
you know, one of the the major players uh, over the past four or five years, almost, I would say. Um, and then, and then Sanborn right. moved down, you know, they've been, um, you know, slowly building up, I would say as a D2 program. So, you know, you've got a, a chance there to kind of, you know, with, with any, any one of those three schools that I just listed to sort of replace the competitiveness that Trinity bought to the division. Right. Yeah. You're getting a, a playoff team in Sanborn from last year, a Guilford program that, um, you know, just missed out on the playoffs this past year, but was, um, you know, undefeated in the regular season the year before. Right. Uh, Excellent team. Yeah. So and then, you know, uh, Monadnock has been, you know, right there with Campbell and, and Trinity at the top of the division. Interlakes Moltenboro has been a playoff team in the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, so there's a, a good chance for some great competition in this division. Yeah, I mean, right now with with like you said, with Guilford and and Sanborn and uh, coming down and Newport and Summersworth up, that might be the most competitive division in the state next year potentially. Yeah, right? in terms parity. I guess the question is: is how many teams do you take to the playoffs? Um, it's got to be more than four. I would think, um, but I don't know. Eight might be too many. Right, right. So, do you do a buy? Although I do think there, the first year that they switched to four um, divisions, I want to say it was a twelve-team division, and they still took eight teams uh, to the playoffs. So, um, I get. Yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah. Uh, so then that leaves Division Four with eight teams. Uh, and, and some changes here as well. Um, you got Winnesquam, uh, in D4, uh, Farmington Newt, which hasn't had a, a varsity program in a couple of years. They're going to attempt to come back and, and play varsity football. Uh, Newfound, which was kind of in the same boat as Kearsarge this past year, uh, with, with some low numbers. Hopefully they're able to, uh, bounce back in that category. Hillsboro Deering, which is, uh, no longer going to be co-oping with Hopkinton, so their enrollment puts them in D4. Raymond, Mascoma, Franklin, and Bishop Brady round out your uh, your Division Four for the next uh, next two years. And again, that's a really fascinating division because you're taking out Summersworth and Newport, who have traditionally, you know, really really been on top in that division. Yeah, um, yeah. Like like in some cases, far and away on top. So, you know, what kind of opportunity does that open up for some of these other teams in D4 this year and, and, and kind of leveling the playing field? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, like I said, uh, when we start, I think this is a, a good mix of, of teams across all of these divisions. I think this, you know, obviously D1 is, is going to be the same. Or, uh, but the other three, I, I feel like, you know, they're. There's good some good matchups in there, good even matchups, um, and and some the potential for some great competition. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, so really excited about that. Uh, of course, uh, you know we'll probably learn more about that over uh, over the next couple of months. So um, we'll uh, we'll try to keep you updated on that as much as we can. Um, of course, I will have. Uh, you know, a few other other things coming up the rest of this week. Uh, obviously, the other day put out uh, the uh, my my top five for for football games, top five games that I attended uh, this past year. That is up on uh, nh-highschoolsports.com. 
Later this week, I'll also be uh, picking my uh, my top players and coaches for each division, and uh, and then also um, doing this for for football and field hockey, um, taking a look at uh, I, I guess a, a deeper dive than we've kind of done today on um, on on what twenty twenty four might look like in both sports. I like when you do those. It's the it's the almost. What do you usually call it? The, the uh, too too early look. Yes, the almost too early or something yeah, like that. Yeah, too yeah. early look at next year. Uh, and um, you know, I I oh you know I I usually will do uh, you know try to pick playoff teams, which might be tough this year with the change in um, you know divisions and all that. Uh, I don't recall how I did a year ago with picking. I don't know if I, I I'm almost afraid to look. Usually I do pretty well. Um, but I think, uh, I have a feeling this past year, maybe I didn't do so well. Well, you know, Joe, given that I've, I've won the pigskin profits <laughs> thing two years in a row, uh, even, we didn't do it two, not two consecutive years in a right, row, right. <laughs> we missed it last year, but you know, if you want any help with that, I might let need me know. It. Yeah, I'm... I might need it. So I just, I did, I, <laughs> I did just pull this up, uh, looking at it real quick. It looks like I missed on. Or I got uh, nine of the thirteen Division One playoff teams right. Uh, yeah, I obviously I didn't have Alvern, Keene, Spalding, or Wyndham in the playoffs. Yep. Uh, Division Two. Um, oh, I'm not even gonna read it because it was that bad. Really? <laughs> I got about half of them, I think. Yeah. Um, Actually, less than that. No, I, I'm sorry. Half. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was uh, it was a rough year picking picking teams, but you know that's a good thing, uh, or at least picking teams a year in advance. Right. But you know that's a good thing. That means um, you know the unexpected happen, and always enjoy when that happens. Yes. That's right. a great way to rationalize it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think uh, unless uh, unless you've got anything you want to add before we, we finish up, we're we're going to wrap it up for the 2023 season. Yeah, no, it's always bittersweet saying goodbye, I guess. Absolutely. it's uh, You know, this becomes a, a, a part of our regular rhythm. Uh, I think you, you and I both enjoy doing our own brand of research to get ready for these things, right? Whether it's watching the games or, uh, you know, combing through news articles and, and comparing notes and doing all those sort of things. So it, it's always a little weird saying goodbye to it. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, fun, the, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. I always look forward to it when we start getting into August. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy to, you know, obviously seasons change and all that, but I mean, we start doing this, you know, we're, we're in the middle of summer, or, you know, right. Maybe not the middle of summer, right at the end of summer, you know, and then here we are, you know, three with four weeks from from christmas and and we're wrapping up so it's yeah it's a it's a long season but it certainly is a fun one yeah yeah it's it's a good chunk of our time but it's always a, a very enjoyable one so uh so yeah i'm like i said i'm kind of kind of sad to let it go but uh but uh i'm excited for when it'll roll around again in what six or seven months so <laughs> it, yeah. it comes quick absolutely all right. Well, thanks to everyone for uh, for listening throughout the season, and and of course, um, you know, giving us feedback and and just your comments. Um, certainly appreciate those of you that have you know either emailed and and told us how much you like the show, or have come up to us, um, you know, at games or you know wherever, um, just to tell us um, 
you know that you've you've enjoyed listening absolutely appreciate that and and you know if if no one was listening we you know we'd have a hard time doing it so um thank you so much for you know uh taking your time to to listen to us each week and and uh give us your feedback when you have yeah i second that all right well he is mike lockman mike thanks again for another great season Thank you, Joe. I am Joe Marcellina. Uh, Everyone have a great holiday season and a safe and happy new year, and we'll talk to you in 2024.